Welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. All this week we'll be featuring sermons from the recent Bible conference in El Paso, Texas, pastored by Paul Stevens. We pray these sermons are a blessing to you, and we're sure they will be. We'll return to our normal schedule next week. God bless. Thank God. Amen. Thank you. Pastor Stevens, thank you for the invitation, and it is wonderful to be here, be able to preach, and I really do appreciate Paul and Renee Stevens. They're a great blessing to our lives. Turn into your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. This conference is about influence, the ability to have an effect. And I know that on on Monday night, Pastor Stevens uh, talked about influencers. Who has had the most influence in the entire world? He spoke spoke about social media influencers. The ones that have had the most impact in the whole world are actually found in our text. It's Abraham and Sarah. Their lives and their decisions have had the most worldwide influence. Think about that. Three major religions come from them. There's 14 and a half million Jews around the world, Judaism. That came from their son, Isaac. 1.9 billion Muslims in the world. That comes from his son, Ishmael, and her decisions. There are 2.2 billion Christians from their descendant, Jesus Christ. So think about this. Over half, that's 4.1 billion people in the world somehow trace their roots back to this couple. Half the world's population comes from them. This actually shows us a pattern, not the Muslim part. This shows us a pattern of what every believer is to be and every believer is to do. We are called to have global influence. And that's what I want to preach about tonight. We're going to read Genesis 12, 1 through 9. I'm reading from the New Century Version. Verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your relatives, your father's family and go to the land that I'll show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those that bless you. I'll place a curse on those who harm you. And all the people on earth shall be blessed through you. So Abram left Haran as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. This time Abram was 75 years old. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot, everything they owned as well as all the servants they had gotten in Haran. They set out, from, set out from Haram, planning to go to the land of Canaan. And in time, they arrived there. Abram traveled through that land as far as the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. The Canaanites were living in the land at that time. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he traveled from Shechem to the mountain east of Bethel. And set up his tent there. Bethel was to the west, Ai to the east. And Abram built another altar to the Lord and worshipped him. After this, he traveled on towards southern 
Canaan. Global influence. Let's begin. I want to talk about God's global concern. In this text, it is talking about the aiming of two people's lives. Decisions are going to be made that will determine what their entire lives become. And I'm not, when I'm talking about aiming, I'm not talking about career, you know, being a fireman or a doctor, mechanic or a salesman. In this text, God says his intention for his people is influence. You will be a blessing to others. If you are saved Other people should feel the effect of your life. Other people should get the benefit of your life. You know, it's possible to live life and have no influence. 2 Chronicles 21, 19, Jehoram died and the people made no burning for him. He didn't influence anybody. My father often told me the story of as a young pastor in Emmett, Idaho, he was asked to do a funeral. When he arrived, not one person was there. This man had lived. He was 67 years old. He died. Not one relative, not one workmate, not one friend, not one neighbor attended. He had no influence. It's possible to live a small life. People live a life, their job, their possessions, their interests, but the problem, they have lived small and they leave this world, they're gone without a trace. In our text, we see God's global concern here. A couple are living in what was called Mesopotamia. There would be modern-day Iraq. That's where they were living. God meets with Abram and talks to him about the world. Verse eight, verse three, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Every tribe, every clan, every people group of the entire world are gonna feel the influence of your life. Right now there are over eight billion people in the world, 237 nations speaking 6,528 languages. And God says, that is what I care about. It's the world. The ultimate reason here, and we're seeing, is that God sees and hears the entire world. He hears their cries. Exodus 2.24, God heard their cries. Acts 16.9, a vision appeared in the night. A man of Macedonia prayed saying, come over and into Macedonia and help us. Right now, there are people living in the world. Some of them are bound by witchcraft. Anybody who gets involved in witchcraft, they are tormented, ruled by fear. They live in in, uh, fear of dead ancestors and envious neighbors afraid that they can curse their lives. People bound by superstition, foolish beliefs. In Japan, they believe that the number four in Japanese, it sounds very similar to the word death. And so they, they are terrified of the number four. If at a wedding, if you ever got a wedding gift and in it were four plates, we're doomed by a number. 
Some people are bound by religion that has no answers. Huge populations of our world are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And God says, in addition to all of that, I'm not just concerned that they lack a quality of life. They are bound and on their way to a devil's hell. Revelations 20, 15, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Eight billion people in the world right now, and it's estimated that over four billion of them are not Christians. They are on their way to hell right now. About two billion people on this earth have never even heard the name of Jesus not even one time. They say the last year, more than 16 million people died and went into eternity having never heard the gospel even one time. And God says, that is my concern. So he tells Abram, my concern is for the world. And then he tells them their part in his plan is you are to have influence on the whole world. I want you to understand how outrageous this is. When Abram first encounters God, he is living in a place called Ur. The city is Ur in an area of Chaldees. It is said that as few as 12,000 people lived in Ur. Maximum would be 60,000. Our text, he leaves there, goes to Haran. 60 to 80,000 people maximum. Out of this small place, verse 3, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God shows up to Abram and says, Abram, listen, I want you to influence the world. And, and Abram says, which part? And God says, all of it. Do, do you understand how outrageous that is? And some people live small lives. It's all about them. But your life can become significant. Your life can become larger by participating in rescue. 1970, the Apollo 13 lunar mission. Astronauts were on their way to the moon when an oxygen tank exploded and they lost essentially all of their oxygen. Four astronauts had to crowd into a landing module the landing module had enough oxygen to support two men for two days, but now three men had to survive for four days. They have a picture they're going to put up. This man's name is John Aaron. John Aaron was a NASA engineer. He made calculations of battery life. He made decisions, turn this off, don't turn that on until just before reentry. All so they could conserve the batteries long enough have oxygen enough to safely re-enter. And because of what he did, all three survived. I cannot tell you the name of a single other NASA engineer through the years. But John Aaron, I know his name because he participated in a rescue mission. And now all of a sudden, it's not just a paycheck his life is remembered. I easily found that photo because he participated in a rescue. We are called. You know what Thursday night of conference is all about? 
We are called to participate in a global rescue mission. We are called to save people in other nations. Acts 16.9, the men of Macedonia said, come into Macedonia and help us. When you participate in a global rescue, your life becomes larger. I don't know if you come from a small town, you come from a larger city. But when you participate in a worldwide, a global rescue mission, your life now has influence. You just saw, we just saw two videos and what, five other reports. Some of you invested. Some of you have prayed. Some of you have, have encouraged these workers in there. That means that your life is bigger than the town you live in. Your life is bigger than your job or your education. You now have influence in the world when you pray and go and give and go on impact teams and preach you become a part of everything that happens in other nations Philippians 4 17 not that I seek the gift but I seek fruit that abounds to your account these men were rattling off numbers and they were telling stories Everything that those churches become, if you gave, if you prayed, if you helped, everything that those churches will ever accomplish, you now have a part in it. You have influence. Next picture here, of course, Pastor Stephen spoke about my parents. My father as an influence. My dad was born in Mitchell, Arkansas. Why is it called Mitchell, Arkansas? Because they're all Mitchells there. The family tree was a wreath, okay? <laughs> Mitchell, Arkansas, population 120. My mom, however, was from the metropolis of Hughes, Arkansas, population 150. When dad was a boy, his... Parents moved to Prescott, Arizona. Prescott, Arizona in 1933, 34 was 5,000 people. We're talking small. You know my father got saved ultimately. Went to Prescott back to where he was raised as a boy to preach. In 1977, he was invited to preach in the nation of Australia. He actually went and spent one month preaching all throughout West Australia. As he went around, he saw the need and saw the potential in Australia. So out of the Prescott Church, invested some money and sent a four-member band to go and do concerts and to preach. And then July of 1978, the first time on a Thursday night we'd ever done this, stood a couple up raised money, and sent them to start a church in Perth, West Australia. God told my father, ultimately, that he wanted him to go. We moved to Perth in 1981. Pastor Mitchell accelerated. My father greatly accelerated the work that had been started there. I just preached there a few weeks ago with the churches that they just planted 
from that one church and then church planting that multiplies in church planting, there are now 355 churches in 31 nations. Yeah. That is influence. Think about that. My parents from small places. But God says you can have worldwide influence. Let's talk secondly about the blessing factor. From the very beginning of relationship with God, I want you to notice this. God speaks about money. Verse 2, I will bless you. Blessing has many dimensions. I did an entire Sunday school series on this. One dimension of blessing is financial. Genesis 13 to Abram was very rich. Now, there are people, they really like the idea of blessing being financial. I'm telling you plainly, God wants to bless you financially. He wants to give you money. That's what I'm saying. Write it down. God wants to give me money. Okay. There are people who really like that because they're thinking of themselves. They say that would be fantastic if God gave me money so I can have a nice car, a nice house, nice clothes, nice jewelry, nice vacations. But if your money is just for you, you will not have influence. You certainly will not have global influence. On our street, Steve Bowman, the evangelist, lives on our street in between Steve's house and my house. There was a man there. He had done very well on his job, and so he bought a house on our street. It was actually his second house. Now, this man, sexually, he was batting for the other team. And uh, so that means he has no wife. He has no children. That meant he could do whatever he wanted with his money. This is a second house. He's escaping the heat of Phoenix, and he's enjoying life and using his money for him. A BMW sat in the driveway. But this man got rapid-onset Alzheimer's. And in a short amount of time, they had to take him away. The BMW sat in the driveway and rotted. The trees, the grass died. The house deteriorated. Finally, that man died, and they had to come, haul everything away, tear things down, because his money did no good. It didn't help anybody. No one was blessed. No one was saved. No one was helped, because money was just for him. So God says, I want to bless you. But then he tells him what blessing is for. He says, I will bless you to be a blessing. Verse 2, you will be a blessing to others. The word bless, it literally means to kneel. It means to cause good to come on. When you're saying you are blessed, it's causing good to come on them. Or actually... What you're saying is to cause God to come to people. You know what? Your life is meant to cause God to come to people. Your money, God gives it to you so you can cause God to come to other people. And I want to be very honest with you. On a Thursday night, we're about to have... a. a, announcements for the nations. I want to tell you, you know why from the beginning when God says, I want you to have global influence, 
and I want to give you money. You know why God says that? Because it takes so much money to reach the world. You know, you can reach, you can make impact on your job or your neighborhood for free. Just open your mouth. That's all you have to do to make impact. You can make impact in another city with nominal expense. All you need is some gas in a vehicle, maybe some drinks and some burgers, and you can reach another city. But that's not true with world evangelism. World evangelism is the most expensive thing we will ever do as a church or a fellowship. We'll have people, some of the announcements I'm sure will be national workers. Some of them will be workers that we're going to send from one nation to another. To move people takes lots of money. Flights, any of you that fly these days, you know after COVID wrecked everything, flights are incredibly expensive. Housing costs lots of money. We send workers overseas and often. It's not like America, just pay a deposit, you know, first and last. Many places I have to pay three months, six months. We have paid a year's rent in advance. And it has to be all up front, very expensive. Missionaries in many places, most of them, they can't work jobs, so they have to be a supported plus all the church expenses. There are places we plant churches that are very expensive. Cities, there are cities that are very expensive. We sent a worker to Tokyo, Japan. He was there for, I think, five years. In five years, until we handed that off to the Las Vegas, New Mexico church, out of Prescott, we spent $625,000. I don't, I don't begrudge it. Thank God that God has given us the resources that we're able to. But I want to tell you, world evangelism is expensive. Nation, there are nations that are expensive. South Sudan, we have a worker in South Sudan. The problem is landlocked in poverty. I was overjoyed when he found a vehicle that only cost $38,000. Because the other ones were in the 50s and the $60,000 range. Very islands, we plant in islands. You plant a church on an island, you better have truckloads of money because there's nothing created. It all has to be brought in. And then there are needs. When you are beginning a work or as time goes on, there are needs. I remember in South Africa, God began to supernaturally bless all the churches and all of a sudden we had a need for a conference, but there were no buildings in, in the area where we are. They didn't exist in poverty areas. They didn't build buildings. So Pastor Mitchell said, you got to have a building built one year from today so we can hold conference. Well, the only way that was possible, I raised money from my church. The only way that was possible is Prescott had to send $225,000 so that we could house a conference. Had a church last year that they're doing very well servicing an entire area, but they have been in a tent for years. They are able to raise a certain amount of money to build a building, but we had to step in and provide $100,000 so they can do that. And then there are crises. A couple of months ago, I had a worker, there's a medical emergency with the wife. They have to come home, had to bring them out. $27,000 like that. How many of you remember a few years ago, our brother was uh, talking about Puerto Rico. Remember the hurricane in 
Puerto Rico that wiped everything out. We had numbers of missionaries there. And now all of a sudden there is no electricity, there's no food, there's no water. They had no way to survive. We had to charter a private jet to go and get them and bring those missionary families. The problem is some of those missionary kids, they think that's like normal. Like, well, <laughs> send the Gulf Stream. <laughs> it, it just had to be done. We couldn't just say to them, I, I don't know, that's a lot of money. COVID. We had workers in China. One of my missionaries called and he said, Pastor, you know, what weird days those were. He said, Pastor, in my apartment block, the police are coming. They're attaching padlocks. They are locking people inside. And soon they're going to be on our floor. They're going to lock us inside. Well, I couldn't say, you know, flights are really expensive at the moment. We got to wait for a better deal. They had to come out. They had to come out now. It doesn't matter what it costs. That's what it means if you're going to plant churches. That's why pastors who they they say, I would like to plant my first church. I said, you do that because I know later on I'm going to get a call. They go, I had no idea. (laughs) That's right. We're called to reach the world. And that is why. So having given you that, God says, I need people to have money. He is saying, I need people to have lots of money. That's the record of Abraham's blessings. Genesis 13, 2. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. Genesis 13, 6. Their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. That was true in his life. God gave supernatural Abundant resources, lots of money. Why? Because it takes lots of money to make uh, global or have global influence. We need people in our churches to be blessed financially. You know the problem with that is some of you live paycheck to paycheck. Some of you live on credit and payday loans. Some of you spend every single cent. Every single penny you make, you spend it. You have no cushion. You have no savings. Listen, I commend you to be blessed. I'm not interested. I'm not concerned that your car is a few years out of date. I am telling you, we have a global need. I commend you to be blessed. You must sort that out. You must contend and see a miraculous dimension of God on your money because the world needs it. We need people that have resources that can respond. There are churches here. There are pastors. We have a global commission, but the problem is you have no savings. You have no cushion. You live month to month. You have no resource pool that you can tap for global influence. I declare to you biblically that's bad stewardship. The New Testament, the stories of stewardship. Here it was. Money is placed into your hands. Step one, don't waste it. I got no money. If you kept track of where all your money went, probably a good deal of it is wasted. That's bad stewardship. 
And step two, the money that you have should grow. There should be savings that increases. God says, because people's lives will depend upon this. If you have abundant resources, then you can respond at crucial moments in time. Think about this. A, a brother in our church, he was lamenting, said that he was living in a house when he first moved to Prescott. It was a house sitting on five acres, and the owner said, I will sell it all to you for $25,000. And he said, $25,000? Who has that kind of money? That's ridiculous. That house and five acres today would be worth millions. But the problem is he had no resources, so he couldn't respond to an opportunity. God forbid that a nation, that an opportunity should ever come and we say, we just have no way to meet that need. Because God's will is that we be blessed. Every person here, you need to be blessed financially. Every church, you need to be blessed financially. Why? So we can have global influence. Let's talk about the trust factor as we close. In our text, it speaks about the potential of their lives. God was telling them what he wanted to happen. That doesn't mean it's going to happen no matter what. Matthew twenty two fourteen. many are called, but few are chosen. I told you, God wants you to be blessed, but many people are not blessed. I said, God plans for you to have global influence, but many do not have global influence. Many are not blessed financially. There is one question that determines that. You know what that question is? Can you be trusted You want to make global impact? Can you be trusted? You want large resources to be placed into your hands, into your church? Can you be trusted? Can you be trusted to obey? If you live for God, he will give you instructions in life. God will tell you what he wants you to do. Genesis 12, 1, in the New King James, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I'll show you. They're disciples. They're pastors. You want to know how to fulfill God's will in your life? It's the same advice that Mary gave the servants in John 2. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. The point at which you do not obey God you stop God's blessings and plans in your life. In the New King James or the King James, it correctly says the Lord had said. In other words, it's telling us what God originally told Abram, but the problem is he didn't do what God told him to do. God said, leave your family, so he took the family with him. God said, go to Canaan. He didn't go to Canaan. They stopped in Haran, which is 800 miles from where they're supposed to be. So the text that we read in chapter 12, it references the original command. 
You know what's happening here is Abraham is repenting. What he's saying is, I didn't do what you told me in the beginning, but now I am going to do what you said. Isn't that what conference is all about? I wasn't here the earlier part of the week. I predict not one pastor has explained who the Nephilim are. Am I, am I right? <laughs> what? Who are those? Because that's not what conference is about. I predict there's not one sermon been preached that you just said, I have never heard that. Be-. You know what conference is? It's exactly like this. The Lord had said. And we go, oh, yeah. Later on, God told Abram, I want you to give Isaac. Isaac was the blessing. Do you worship your blessings? God said, I will bless you. He answers prayer. He gives us good things. But then do you worship it? I would never do that. It's very simple. What happens when God wants you to give the blessing? Because there are people... God has blessed you, like I said in point two, but now you are blessed financially. You can't do God's will. I I can't do the will of God. I got businesses, investment properties. So then Isaac is above God now. Is that what you're saying? There are pastors here. You prayed and cried out and God has blessed your church. And now, but he's begun to, tug on your heart this week. I want you to do something else. He said, I can't leave. I want you to send your best couple. I I can't do that. Can you be trusted with money? I'm telling you, God wants you to be blessed. I command you to be blessed. But are you wise with money? Are you living in debt? Are you unwise with money? You just waste it? Do you tithe? Do you give? Abraham's life, there came a point in time when he needed to buy. Now he's in Canaan, the place where God wanted him. His wife dies. He needs to buy a cave. He needs to buy some land. He's taking possession. How much is it going to cost? And there's the back and forth and the Arabic way of, no, no, I couldn't possibly. And yes, I... And he named it Machpelah, which means double. In other words, I just got ripped off. That's what he's saying there. But he had the money. He had the money. He was able to invest in the promised land because he had the resources to do it. A wise steward has resources so they can invest in God's will. Our text says Abram built two altars, Shechem and Bethel. Altars are places where we respond to revelation. It's where we say yes. You know what you have to do in conference? You have to start where you're at. Some of you say, I wish I could be a powerful man of God. Start where you're at. Be faithful. There are some of you, oh, pastor, I wish I could give millions. Obey with what you have. 2 Corinthians 8, 12, if you want to give, your gift will be accepted. It will be judged by what you have, not by what you do not have. Altars, secondly, are places of sacrifice. Something has to die. Whenever God speaks to you, it's very likely that something has to die. Your plans, 
your arrangements, whatever it is, I don't care if that's a sermon, a prompting from God, a calling, an offering. Just a few weeks ago, my wife and I went to Perth, West Australia. This is where I met Lisa. This is where Lisa was saved. This is where we were discipled. That's where I was called, discipled, and sent out from. Every time I go to Perth, West Australia, I go, I make a pilgrimage to several buildings. I want to show you the first one. The first building, this is an old church building, 41 Walcott Street in a suburb called Mount Lawley. I go there. In that building, that is where I was called to preach. I never wanted to be a preacher. I rebelled against preaching. In that building, I was sitting at the back while my dad was doing a discipleship on how to prepare sermons. That's got nothing to do with me. But God spoke to me in that building. Second building is 142 Beaufort Street. It's just a few blocks away. This is where we used to have conference. I go to that building because that's where God spoke to Lisa and I in a conference that he wanted us to be missionaries to Africa. You know why I go there? It's not reminiscing because I want to make sure those were the altars where I said yes. I've been doing this a long time. I can never get to the place where the answer is not yes. And I go back there and I rejoice, but partly it's a gut check. Is the answer still the same? Because that's the only way that I'm going to be able to fulfill the will of God. The church in Perth that we were sent out of in later years, a man took the church and he just, he killed it. He took it in a different direction. It was no longer evangelism, discipleship. This man was rebellious. He was aiming at pulling that church away our friends, our family, my wife's family were in that church. It was desperate days. Pastor Stevens, remember, we had a leadership meeting and we spoke to my father and we urged him, Pastor Mitchell, you need to go. If you will go, you can save this. But the problem was my dad was 80 years old and my mom was 75. All the men... We all urged him. Dad said no. This is personal to me. It's our family. That's the church where I was sent out from. And I urged him. I said, Dad, if anybody else goes, it's going to be a bloodbath. The church will not survive. And he said, Greg, I don't think I can do it. I'm 80. I don't think I can do it. But then a change came. And my parents at 80 and 75 went to Perth for the third time and they took it for six months. I have a picture I want to show you. The moment dad got there, he started going to prayer meetings in the morning. And after prayer meeting, this picture is taken at McDonald's. And now you see there my brother-in-law, my nephew, my, uh, there's another nephew there, different ones. The, the spirit of the church had shifted to money and investment properties and having fun and holidays and vacations. That's, that's what life is all about. But my father went there and he started challenging them about being a man of God, about discipleship. And something happened in McDonald's and the heart. What you see there, numbers of those men that you can see and many that you can't see in the, that photo, they are now preaching the gospel today. Amen. 
because even at age 80 with my father, the answer was still yes. I, I, I was just so thrilled to step the life and the fire, the vibrancy, the converts. Oh, they planted 12 churches, six international, six domestic, but just the life that there is because my father's answer was still yes. No matter what it is, the answer is yes. And with someone like that, God said we can make global impact. You can have global influence. So on a Thursday night, my job is to challenge you. What's the question? What's the answer to the question going to be? Can you be trusted? That's what I asked you. And when God speaks to you tonight, what is your answer? Because on that hangs global influence. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes all across this place. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.